I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. What's up, guys? This is uh, Mr. Athletic Jeff Cobb, and you're listening to the SGP Podcast. Are you ready? Marks and Smarks. This is the Smarkiles Filipinas Podcast. You are listening to the longest-running weekly episodic Filipino wrestling podcast. This is the Smart Gilas Filipinas podcast. It's episode number 165, and all three of us are all together because it's very special. We've been promoting it since, uh, I think, Monday. Since, since Monday, yeah. Yeah, since Monday. We've been promoting it since Monday, and we're proud to announce that this is the episode where you'll hear our interview with the one and only Mr. Athletic, Jeff Cobb. Loki was afraid. Now, this might not be pushing through tonight. But about uh, Mr. Uh, Jeff, as we now know him by, stuck to his word. He's a really good guy. Uh, we love his conversa- we, our conversation with him. And if you are a Filipino wrestling fan, which you probably are since you're tuned into this podcast, you will love our interview for more than one reason. Yes. Uh, well, yes. That's, that's all I'll say about that for now. Yes. Yeah. Because it's coming up. It's coming up in a bit. Yeah. But... Jeff's, that, a, Jeff's a nice guy. Before that, we got to shoot nice the breeze guy. a bit, you know. Just uh, as Ro likes to say, he enjoys the foreplay before we get into the meat of things. Oh, you did not. You you went right in there, no lube. Well, the you know, everybody else on Twitter went in there anyway. No, so. what? No, I mean, in, uh, in, on this interview, I'm talking about our interview with him. You went in. You went right in. This is what editing is for. This is what post prod is for. <laughs> I'll, I'll take care of it. Uh, anyway, sure. Yeah, l- let's talk about the playoffs and how. Uh, like I said last week, this is the most I'm, I've really plugged into the playoffs. So happy uh, after today's win. Uh, the Celtics just bludgeoned the Wizards out of the gate from uh, the opening tip-off, basically. And um, as, a Cel- as a Celtics fan, I'm happy. But I also recognize like all these people on Twitter who are all firing shots. Nah, okay, enjoy this now. You're just playing for the right to be destroyed by the Cavaliers. That's true. I get that. That's true, though. I, I get that. But again, let me just say this. Now, any win beyond the first round is already a victory for the Celtics because last year and, and the year before that, they got taken out of the first round. So I, th- I think anybody who stuck through a team through its wins and losses kind of understands how, uh, how big of a deal it is to surpass last year's efforts. That's true. As a guy who's seen his Golden State Warriors surpass the San Antonio Spurs... Get this far. It was that 40 years of misery, but before the 2015 title. That's true. A lot of suffering. Yeah. Like a shit lot of suffering for, for long time Golden State Warriors fans. And how many are you in that club? I don't know. <laughs> I really don't know anymore because the bandwagon's like filled to the brim right now. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, I, I can live with the bandwagon. I can live with the bandwagon. But the thing is, it was not an easy series against Utah. I will give you that. That it wasn't, you know, the walk in the park that so many people said it would be. Gordon Hayward. Props to him. Did a good job on on my boys. But holy shit, this is the machine we're talking about. 
um, I, I'm, I'm not sure if you guys caught this, but this week, uh, KG brought the Celtics together. Like the, the OG Celtics. Celtics. Yeah, yeah. No, not the OG Celtics, but the 08 Celtics. Basically, my favorite team. They his, got Doc Rivers in there also. His Celtics. His Celtics. Yeah, so uh, for, for the Area 21 segment. And I think my favorite part of that uh, little reunion was how they addressed Ray Allen and how there's still a lot of enmity between them and Ray. So, um, just to paraphrase a lot of the things that they said, uh, the, the, the gist is um, they're not angry anymore about what he did, which is the effect of Miami. They're angry about the way he did it. So, uh, I, I guess I want to get your thoughts on this because we've all been there, right? Like, we've all lost friendships over, over things that they've done and over the way that they've done things. Like, um, how was it watching things just get played up to a level where the whole world is watching these friendships disintegrate? Well, I, that's never happened to any of us. So, how? well, I, I I've lost <laughs> friendships, but not on a national TV. Yeah, level. yeah exactly. Yeah. So, like, as how a do you viewer, say, how do you how do you even answer that question? No, but as a viewer, how how's it like watching this? Because oh, like I love these players, and I'm like, man, this is so fascinating and sad at the same time. It's super sad because, as a viewer, you know that it shouldn't be like this because it it can always be fixed, right? And to think that they're in the heat of the moment. Losing that friendship when everyone else thinks, no, you can still say this if you just calm your tits. It's kind of, no, it's frustrating. It's very frustrating because, you know, but you're not in there, you're not in that situation per se, that, that specific situation per se. So at the end of the day, you also don't know what it's like. I just need the popcorn. I, I, uh, I'll need the popcorn, especially when Rondo actually picks up the phone and calls up Ray Allen and everybody oh, starts talking about it. Like, oh, shit. That, that's when the fun starts. Um, speaking of fun, let, let's stick to basketball and uh, keep it to something more relatable. Uh, we know that Gilas Pilipinas is going to be uh, representing the country once again in the upcoming Southeast Asian Basketball Association tournament. That is a mouthful, and I'm happy that I got it. It's a long, it's a it, long it's ass a name. Long ass name. <laughs> I'm sorry. And then Nike has hooked them up with the all new LeBron 14s. They call it the Agimat, and it's r- pretty. Right off the bat, it is a beautiful shoe. Yes. Jesus Christ! I mean, I it's like pure blue. Uh, almost looks like suede, but it's not, obviously. And I thought to myself, I gotta have this for certain reasons. <laughs> okay, really so, gotta have it. So for people who don't know yet how much it costs, it's eight thousand nine hundred. Oh, actually, SRP. Not as bad as I was expecting. I mean, for a limited edition, oh. for a limited edition that is branded as such. LeBron, LeBron we, and it's it's a new LeBron pa, new LeBron make, pucha din siya. Pero it's still it's still very fresh. The the 14s are fresh off the bot. Oh, you know they just hit stores how many months no, ago? No, no, no. They're gonna be in in stores by May 20. No, no, no. I'm not, I mean not not the not these agimats, but the 14s themselves. It's ah, like okay. Relatively early this year lang. Early this year lang. So they're they're a new make. It's a new shape, and this is the first regional release. Na, na special, special. You know what? We we'd love to say that Nike is actually paying us to suck their dicks right now and talk about talk about. Yo, how but, but, awesome but 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 yo 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 Nike Nike. I literally came from a Nike event, so. But yo Nike, Nike basketball. The best part about the Agimat uh, is well, one there's an actual Agimat in the box. Oh, let but, me just get it, yeah. uh, get this out of the way. Second, the fact that there are Tagalog words on the shoe. Mm. So you have that label on the top of the heel which says para sa kadakilaan mm. or for the glory. Fucking for all the glory. That shit, it, it, it is just so, so good. 
Um, I love the design as well, like the logo, how it combines uh, LeBron's name, his nickname. Akron is there. Manila is there. Everything uh, that a Filipino basketball fan can ever want in a signature shoe is right there. And um, I think maguunahan tayo, like you know, trying to cop a pair yeah, or something yeah, if yeah. we actually had the money. Confirm ba na sinuotan ni LeBron to? Yes. Um, what's been reported is that he's been wearing these uh, in in round two, games three okay. and four. Does he actually know what the words mean? I have sure no idea. Does. I'm sure someone has explained to him. Yeah, maybe, maybe. But it's interesting, you know, to to see to to find out that this particular shoe, this particular variant, is being worn by the by the king himself. Yeah, it, it's mind blowing. Like uh. these are the shoes that appear in the playoffs. Uh. So yeah. I mean, he doesn't have to wear these shoes. I'm sure there are other colorways and and variants of his other shoes, his other signature shoes that he could wear. But to know that he's wearing this is wow! It's a, it's a huge mark of pride. Yeah, and you know, um, it, it's a very nice segue actually to uh, what this whole podcast is all about. It's all yes. about Pinoy pride, how uh, we're being represented on such a huge stage. LeBron actually doing us a huge solid by wearing the agimats on the court, and Jeff Cobb and all the other Filipino uh, wrestlers all around the world who do us a solid by representing us. Because uh, I'm sure when we got into the fandom, I'm sure none of us really thought that uh, being a pro wrestler uh, was something that Filipinos could excel at. Just because genetically, we're, we've always been at a disadvantage. We're naturally smaller people. Mm-hmm. But to see guys like TJP, uh, Billy Swade, Sosai King, uh, uh, Kai Katana, and now Jeff Cobb, uh, just making an impact um, on, on the pro wrestling industry is something that really makes you proud to be a Filipino wrestling fan. So um, we're going to talk a lot about uh, his career, how he got into the business, how he got started. We're going to talk about Matanza for sure. A little bit of Dario Cueto talk in there as well. Uh, a whole lot of Lucha Underground and uh, basically everything that is going on in the career of Jeff Cobb. Also, surprise, George, he talks about your favorite wrestler. <laughs> just just George at this point. George Pastor, that's for you. Yeah, yeah babe. You better, uh, you, better babe, pray, babe. you better pray to all your gods that your favorite wrestler becomes healthy again to wrestle. Because you're gonna wanna hear this. All right, so that's uh, that's gonna be our, our quick teaser for the Jeff Cobb interview. We're gonna stop teasing right now. You know what? We're just gonna serve it up on the package because uh, really there wasn't a whole lot of talk about with regard to Raw and SmackDown. Let's just save that for next week after the the European tour. Uh, here it is, our exclusive interview with Mister Athletic Jeff Cobb. Right, we've been really excited to have this interview on the SGP podcast. So let's get right to it and let's welcome this week's guest, Mr. Athletic Jeff Cobb himself. How you doing, guys? You're super excited to have you here. Uh, we, I'm so surprised. It was so easy to put together. <laughs> yeah, dang technology nowadays, man! I swear. <laughs> how are you today, Jeff? How are you this morning? And how is the career? How is your career right now? Uh, you were being booked everywhere, right? I'm doing great right now. Um, you know, I have no complaints. I'm very, you know, people say I'm lucky or whatever. I say I'm very blessed to be doing what I do um, for a living. You know, like this is this is how I pay my rent and this is how I help my family out. And it's all because of pro wrestling. And you know, I, I love what I do. Um, if I didn't, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be killing myself every weekend to do <laughs> to wrestle. But I mean. You know, I have, like I said, I have no complaints. Um, professionally, I'm not done yet because I, there's a lot more things I want to do. And, um, yeah, so, I mean, like I said, I have no complaints. I'm very blessed to be where I am. 
Let's start from the very start then. Uh, you started out as an Olympic wrestler for Guam. And at which point in your life and your career did you decide to pursue professional wrestling? Were you a fan since childhood? Uh, was it a, uh, at which point did it become a viable career option for you? Um, when I was, yeah, I've been a wrestling fan since I was since I can remember as as a super young kid. I never, uh, yeah, it's like I never thought about doing anything else but wrestling. Like as a kid, I was like, you know, I I want to do this, I want to do this, I want to do this, and and then uh, like my chances kind of dwindled down when I moved to uh, Guam because I was uh, born and raised in Hawaii, and uh, when we moved to Guam, like. I thought my wrestling dreams were done because there was no pro wrestling in Guam. And, yeah, so I started joining... Uh, I joined in, uh, wrestling in high school because I thought it was what I saw on TV. And, yeah, I was totally wrong. So you mentioned that uh, there was no pro wrestling in Guam, but uh, having said that, how were you able to carve that path to eventually get... and, and to, to break into uh, the business? Where'd you have to go? Uh, well... It was. I kind of took it as signs because uh, I went to I went to college in Missouri, and um, I actually went to the same college that uh, Bobby Lashley went to, uh, the current uh, I believe the current Impact Heavyweight Champion, and I didn't I didn't know this at the time until I until I got until like my freshman year when I saw his picture on the wall. I was like, wait a minute, that looks like the guy on TV, <laughs> and so I thought those I thought that was pretty cool. Like I went to a college that I didn't know that he went to so i kind of took it as a sign and then um after college i moved back to hawaii and found out that there was a like a local indie company or independent company out there and so i went to a show one time and i said you know what uh, i'm gonna do this so i i signed up to uh, be a pro wrestler all right uh can we ask you where the mr athletic nickname came from how it how it came to be how did how it came to be your gimmick you know, it's actually pretty funny because uh, I got that gimmick because when I was training, um, they asked me who a couple of my favorite wrestlers were. And um, uh, one of them that I really enjoyed was uh, Mr. Perfect, Kurt Henning. And during training, like they would say, okay, well, let's try, let's play around. Let's, can you do a moonsault? So I did a moonsault. <laughs> And they're like, hey, can you, can you do a shooting star? I was like, I can do a shooting star. It's like, can you do a shooting star press from the top rope? I was like, yeah, I can do that. So pretty much anything they asked me to do, I could do. And in Hawaii, there wasn't anybody that could do that kind of stuff. So they they said, you know what? We're going to give you a, um, the moniker Mr. Athletic. And it's a mixture of like Kurt Henning and like Kurt Angle and, you know, just, yeah. So I said, you know what? I'm, it's my first time in wrestling. I'm not going to argue with it. And <laughs> that that name kind of stuck for a little bit. So I've had that since I debuted. Going into pro wrestling, was that the kind of wrestling you envisioned yourself that you were going to do? Um, realistically, uh, yes and no, because I kind of assumed that that's what pro wrestling was. And then, but at the same time, it was a little bit. It was a harder transition because like coming from the amateur wrestling to professional wrestling there's like a, i mean the physicality is the same but with everything else it's not really <laughs> like the showmanship and like you know that kind of stuff like showing psychology. pain yeah psychology there you go <laughs> yeah that like that was totally 
non-existent <laughs> in amateur wrestling. We got to answer uh, we, we got to address the elephant in the room. And for a lot of people who may not be so familiar, you are half Filipino, is that correct? Yes, I am. My um my mom is a uh, full Filipino. Um but she was born in Guam and um my grandmother and grandmother are both from the Philippines. Uh which provinces uh are they from? Oh jeez. Uh, I think you mentioned to me that uh, one of your your grandparents is from Cebu. Yeah, um, I, actually, my grandmother is from Cebu. There you go. Now that I remember, I'm, I was trying to remember where my grandfather was, but I can't remember at the top of my head, so I have to look at it because it's one of those um, it's one of those places that I've never heard of, <laughs> and I feel and I and I feel bad for saying that, but it's just <laughs> like it's. I mean, there's it's yeah. It's, I've never I've never gotten the chance to go to the Philippines, unfortunately. Like my mom. My mom used to go. My grandma used to go. My grandma used to go every every December for like three weeks. For that Christmas, she never took, yeah, she never took me though. I was kind of bummed about that. So you've but, never been to the Philippines, but you did mention that you've been introduced to like the Filipino culture. You kind of understand basic Tagalog. Uh, how how was that like growing up? Um, it was it was pretty fun. I mean, like I wish I because like in Guam, like it's a heavy. Like there's a heavy Filipino community, and a lot of my friends were Filipinos, and like they didn't really speak it too much. But I mean, I had a couple friends that did speak it, and unfortunately, I never, I only picked up very few things. Um, like I got pretty good to the point where like my grandmother would yell at me or talk to me, and I'd kind of pick up what she was saying. Because like my mom, like my grandmother used to talk to my mom in Filipino or in Tagalog, and and she would answer in English. So I kind of put two and two together, kind of. So I kind of like, I mean, I I knew a little bit of it, but I, yeah, I just, it was, I really wish I learned it more, but yeah, <laughs> I, I unfortunately didn't. Shouting out to your, all your fans right here who know you mostly through Lucha Underground and, and then afterwards, uh, all your work unmasked. So uh, wait, how much about Lucha Underground can we talk about and ask you right here because we know MVP got in trouble for talking about it on his own podcast so (laughs) we don't want you to get yeah we don't want to get anyone in trouble right here so how much can we talk about this yeah Lucha Underground has been great I mean I've um let's see they gave me a nice platform to uh showcase my abilities I mean even though I'm under a mask (laughs) but my moves are still the same so like every like when people are like like they kind of put like even even now when um when I'm like at a at an indie show or something and like I'm signing autographs some people come up and like you know they kind of whisper like oh that's that's uh, uh that's Matanza and people are like I thought I saw those moves before I'm like yeah that's me so <laughs> and, I mean it's, it's, it's been really cool like you know just just to have that opportunity to showcase my abilities on another level um, especially with the talent that they have at Lucha Underground. And then now to be a, to to be able to be seen on Netflix, it's like and showcase my abilities on a on a worldwide platform. It's been very it's been great, man. I mean, the ride with Lucha Underground has been awesome. Can you talk about how you got into that? Uh, how you got into the promotion and how you got that job or that role as Matanza? Uh, how did I get into Lucha Underground? Yep. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, uh, I did a hmm, it was a, a couple years ago. Uh, right before it started, uh, right before Lucha Underground started filming or whatnot, I did a, a uh, I did a AAA tryout in okay. um, in in the Bay Area, 
and uh, uh, Conan was overseeing the tryout, and uh, he was uh, he was there doing the tryout. Um, I showed up, and yeah, I was I, was, I didn't know what to expect from that because uh, like I didn't even make the finals <laughs> of this tryout, so I was very bummed that I didn't make the make the finals, and I was very very questionable of who made the tryout or who made the finals of the tryout. <laughs> so, but. Uh, I mean, Conan saw something in me. I mean, like I showed up, me and me and another dude, we shoot, uh, we showed up to the tryout, and uh, we were finally dressed. We, you know, we we're we we're in slacks and a tie and all that, and a button-up shirt. And he appreciated that, and then he he liked that showing up professionally. And then he he saw us show up and uh, show up and just display our talents, and he was very happy with that, and he kept in contact. And then uh, when Lucha Underground got to go, uh, they got the they got my contact info, and as they say, the rest is history. Is the atmosphere over on the show different from any other wrestling promotion? Um, backstage, I mean. Yes, and yes, and no. I mean, like I mean, I don't know what it's like in WWE because you know I've, I haven't had the chance to go backstage yet, just because of my Lucha Underground contract, but. Uh, like it's real laid back, back where we're at. I mean, we just like because it's all a bunch of professional guys. Like we're not we're not uh, tripping on about how to do it, how to do a match or anything like that. Like we're all laid back. We're all in the back drinking Red Bull, um, eating catering and eating desserts and all that. And you know, like it's a it's a great atmosphere. It's a great vibe, really. As Matanza, you get to work very closely with Dario Cuero or Luis Fernandez Hill. So um, I'm a huge fan of his work personally. We are, so, we're all huge fans yeah, of his work. Really huge fan. So I got to ask you, how is it like working closely with Luis with Fernandez guy, Hill? Yeah. It is definitely awesome because, well, we've, I mean, you've, if you've watched Luis Underground, you'd notice there's um, a lot of those vignettes that they do yep. or the yeah. backstage stuff. Those are the best. Yeah, and those things are just like if you're filming a movie. Where like, like one small scene, it's it really takes like a couple hours to do. They want to get everything right. They want to have the lighting right, the sound right, everything right. And like I've never been a part of that something like that where we had to do take after take after take after take. And and Dario, who happens to be a very very skilled uh, actor, if you you've seen him in a couple of Super Bowl commercials, uh, he was in uh, Mike and Molly, I believe. He's been in quite a few things, and uh, like he's very good at playing off of the other person. And I mean, like I said, you've you've seen his work, and it's 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 amazing. So like working with him is great. Like he's such a funny guy when he's not um, ordering me to kill people. So he's a good yeah, he's a good dude. I wouldn't have another brother. <laughs> well, all right, man. Um, I want to ask because you've had a lot of matches on Lucha Underground with a lot of guys. Do you have any particular opponent that you've enjoyed working with the most so far? To be honest, like all of them are really, really fun to work with. Um, like uh, Mil Muertes has been great to work with just because like he's such a he's such a veteran in the ring that awesome. he knows how a monster should be and he's and like he's so good man i mean when he was at uh tna like tna really dropped the ball with him because he's he's super fantastic to work with another guy that makes me look super good in the ring is um 
uh, Prince Puma or Ricochet or whatever mm-hmm. you want to call him. <laughs> yeah. uh, he's like the talent that he has is ridiculous. The stories in Lucha Underground can get really crazy, and I wanted to know your opinion on, on you know, on those kinds of stories. You get, to, as you mentioned, you get to kill a guy. Uh, there are people rising from the dead, and you know, things like that. Like, what is your take on all of that stuff in you know in the pro wrestling business? You know, like me personally, um, that's not exactly on the top of my on the top of my to do list. Like, <laughs> I mean, it it does get a little out there sometimes, but at the same time, you know, like pro wrestling is a buffet, you know, like, like when I go to a buffet, I don't eat every single item on the menu, you know, like I pick and choose what I want. So I feel like Lucha Underground is definitely a part of the buffet, you know, like if you don't like, like, you know, there's been a lot of, a lot of negativity towards Lucha Underground and and at the same time, you know, I work for them and I tell them, Hey, listen, bottom line is you don't have to watch it. You know, it's not for everybody. Right. Like if, like, like a uh, ECW wasn't for everybody. You know, W said or WWE Attitude Era wasn't for everybody. You know, so like if you like it, watch it. If not, then stop complaining about it. Just either you enjoy it or you don't. <laughs> All right. So, I mean, I I personally like like I said, that's not my cup of tea. But at the end of the day, uh, when I watch it back on Netflix, there's a couple things that I'm like, oh, that was pretty cool. And there's a couple <laughs> things that are like. Yeah, that was kind of cheesy, but at the same, <laughs> like I said, like I enjoy it as for what it is. All right, let's let's talk. Let's move away from Lucha Underground for a bit here. Uh, you, there, you mean uh, as I mentioned earlier, uh, you, there are a lot of promotions interested in booking you around the world. So, is there uh, a company out there that hasn't gotten in contact with you, but you're interested in working for? Well, up until about I think two weeks ago. Um, when you guys contacted me about um, about doing this interview, and then someone tagged me in a post about um, there's a company out there in the Philippines, that would be amazing to go back to my heritage, my roots of of what I am, and um, yeah, wrestling in the Philippines has now become one of my top priorities. Um, either wrestling there or wrestling, and you know, just helping out, you know, just spreading my, my uh what i've learned throughout the years I, I guess you can say spreading my knowledge or whatever but whatever i've learned and how to help guys and, and girls out there to try to get better and just bring up the product overall i mean yeah so definitely uh the philippines has been like probably jumped up to like the top top my top three priorities right now to be perfectly honest with you, uh, we want you to come over, but we don't have, you know, we, we probably can't afford you. <laughs> that, that is the main issue at the moment. Yeah, not, uh, not yet, not yet. Okay, okay. Well, you know what? Like I said, I, I don't mind doing a week thing. Um, you know, if you get like a, like a San Miguel beer to sponsor, that would be cool. <laughs> we know some guys at San Miguel beer that would you know, give you a call. You know, I don't, I'm not sure if, uh, I'm, I think Manny Pacquiao still lives there. I'm sure he Yeah, can. he's still here. Yeah, you know, tell him I was a big supporter. I was rooting for him in the Mayweather fight. So just tell him, just tell him that, and hopefully he'll, he'll be like, yeah, okay, I'll bring you over, <laughs> kind of thing. You know what? That is the dream, and I'm sure a lot of your fans over here in the Philippines, a lot of the PWR guys in the locker room will be really stoked to hear they, what they, you just said. They just screamed internally after hearing this, after hearing this part of the interview. <laughs> I will tell you now. Yeah, we can just guarantee it. Well, that's awesome, man. Yeah, but like, like, yeah, so, like, I've had gold. 
roles in, in pro wrestling. And then as of two weeks, two or three weeks ago, whenever we started talking on Twitter, um, yeah, definitely like the like wrestling in the Philippines has jumped up to my top three right now. Um, you know, like New Japan is 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 up there, and obviously, you know, something like a WWE. But then also wrestling in the Philippines has just been like, yeah, <laughs> I need to do this. You actually have a lot of things that are lined up. Like I, we've checked your your upcoming bookings, and they are kind of ridiculous that you've got. You've got progress lined up. You just finished APW in the Cow Palace, which I heard a lot of good things about that match that you just had. And then you've got you've got Kyle O'Reilly coming up over the weekend, and you have Leo Rush in July. What's it like keeping up with a schedule like that? Because these are some of the best possible bookings that you could get on the independent scene right now. And, you know, these are really great promotions. Um, can you let us into what it's like being booked on this level and, you know, getting this kind of work done? Like I said, I'm very blessed at, um, I guess, being wanted by companies. So I have no complaints about traveling ridiculously amount. Uh, going from, like, the East Coast to the West Coast, back to the West Coast. Like, I have no complaints about that. I actually enjoy, like, I don't mind the plane ride. Um, like can sleep on a plane, so it doesn't really matter to me. But to be able to wrestle like the top, like the names in independent wrestling, and to wrestle in, in great companies, I like I said, it's an, it's an honor, it's a blessing. And I mean, it does get kind of tiring at like certain times where you know you just had a match and you're done at like you get back to your hotel at like one o'clock in the morning, showered and whatnot. And then you have to turn around and get to the airport by 5 a.m. to catch a 6 a.m. flight. You know, those those get kind of tiring at times, but, you know, you got to do what you got to do to make these towns, you know. So it's it's been it's been fun wrestling all these big names. And, you know, like, it's just like we're getting the, the exposure from, like, Leo Rush's fans who may not know who may not know me. And then, like, my fans who may not know Leo Rush. And it's just it's cool to get this exposure. This might be a silly question to ask, but uh, what what is your life like right now? Are you officially a full time independent wrestler, or is there still a, a day job hustle that you're on? Um, are you officially just living off of indie wrestling, indie bookings? You know, uh, I'm very blessed to uh, say, very blessed and very thankful to be a full time pro wrestler. That is a dream, actually. Uh, it is. It definitely is. Uh, let's take it back a bit to your background because I'm curious as to the type of training you went through. So can you uh, can you tell us who your trainers were and uh, what were the biggest takeaways you had you, you got from them as you broke into the business? Um, well, I started training in Hawaii and that is such a far, far away place that like when you train out there, it's like there's only like you're training the trainer's way. And I'm not saying it was the wrong way or anything like that, but like placing moves in certain places of a match where like the psychology part of it wasn't really there. So I ended up moving to uh, California in, uh, I can't even remember when, uh, probably 2013. Um, I ended up moving there to train with a, a gentleman by the name of Oliver John who had a couple stints in WWE and like Mexico and, and whatnot. And 
And my career definitely turned for the better when I moved out here to train with him. And like the biggest takeaway that I got from training with him was, was a, was a question. Why? Like, why are you doing this? Why are you doing that? And it, because of that, it definitely made, it turned my career from just being a guy that could do moves to a guy that can do moves for a reason for the story of the match. So, I mean, I definitely owe a huge chunk of my career, probably like 90, like 90% of it to um, Oliver John. Is there, for the guys who are out there in California, do you know where we can find Oliver John? Just just so we can put him out there and put him over a bit. Um, yeah, it's funny because uh, when his... Uh, like he's had a bad back for a while and he's been, he was working through it for a little bit. And then, um, now he kind of pops up here and there for training seminars and, and he's actually, uh, he's a real estate agent now. So if anybody in California that's listening to this, that wants to buy a house, hit him up. <laughs> he definitely, he's definitely a, a good dude. Um, uh, but yeah, um, like contact, well, I mean, I don't know if his uh, wrestler page is up and running, but I mean, I'm sure you can find him on 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 the Facebook or whatnot. But he has, you know, he's a he's a wife and kid now, so he's kind of toned down the wrestling side of it. All right, um, I want to ask about your influences in the ring and with regard to your character. Like, can you tell us uh, which wrestlers you modeled your move set after or your character after? Uh, let's see. Well, I do a lot of uh, like. A bunch of my moveset is pretty much just suplexes. So if I can see a suplex online that looks pretty cool and kind of tweak it and and put it as my own, then I guess I guess that'll be it. I mean, I watched a lot of. Uh, it's funny because when I first thought about being a pro wrestler, when I first started training to be a pro wrestler, I looked up just random YouTube videos of like suplexes and whatnot, and the Japanese style and. Uh, uh, Mike Quackenbush Ooh. were the two guys that were I or the two things that I looked at a lot. Or actually, it was like it was a uh, Mike Quackenbush, Japanese wrestling, and Chris Hero, and those were the three things that I kind of looked at that I saw a lot of when I first started training. So I could I saw a couple of things and I started tweaking things here and there to have it more my my uh, I guess quote unquote my suplexes. So. Yeah, I mean, those are the ones that I saw, and I kind of took it and ran with it. It is actually surprising that it's it's not surprising that you bring up the suplexes because your suplexes, I will have to say, are some of the most vicious looking ones. Like you, you, you really throw the guys very safely, admittedly, but it looks so vicious, man. Like it's it's something that I personally do watch a bit. So. Apart from that, is there stuff that we haven't seen yet that's, you know, in the back in the back pocket hiding for a special match that, you know, we should be looking out for? Uh, there's been a few suplexes that I used earlier in my career. Again, when um, when I started off, like I just threw out everything in every match. Uh, then I then I started like I said, then I started training with uh, Oliver John and he started saying, you know, don't give him everything. Because then they've seen everything that you've had, and they don't want to see it anymore. So I've been kind of holding back on a couple things. So I have a few suplexes that I haven't used in a while. 
that um, I'm eventually going to start bringing out as time goes on. Or, sorry, I guess not bring out, but bring back that people haven't seen in a while. So there's been a couple. There's a couple. So you know, I just just keep your eyes peeled. I guess. All right. I think it's time we started getting to the home stretch. Uh, can we ask you what's in store for your future? What you plan to do? What's on your wrestling bucket list, if we may? Well, definitely to be um, on a national TV program as myself. Um, I, I mean, don't get me wrong. I love like Lucha Underground and the opportunities it's given me. But you know, there's there's still people that come up to the table that don't know it's me. <laughs> wow. So, I, yeah. So there's some. There's been like uh, like this weekend actually. This past weekend, like people came up to the merch table and they're like, and some they're whispering and they're like, "Bro, I did not know that was you." I'm like, um, I mean, I don't really know how you cannot know that's me because like, <laughs> we have, except we have the same move set, and so I don't know. It's it's just it's just funny, but I mean, yeah, definitely, uh, you know, bucket list like to work as to work as myself on a national TV program would be great. You know, whether that be uh, Ring of Honor, TNA, New Japan. I mean, I would love to be in WWE. Like, don't get me like anybody that says they don't want to be in WWE. I think they're they're kind of lying to themselves. <laughs> like, you know, that's that's like if you're a football player to make it to the NFL. If you're a basketball player, NBA. You know, it's that's where you go to make your name for yourself. You know, so I mean, there's been people that have done a great like. Like the Young Bucks have done a great job not going to WWE, but they've gone to like bigger things like Ring of Honor, New Japan, and they're make, they're killing it out there. But like you know, I'm, as a as a kid, I've always said you know I've always wanted to be in WWE, and that's still one of the goals on my list. So, any dream matches you like to have with uh, people you haven't faced yet? Uh, I will I will continue to say this um, <laughs> for till the end of time that. My dream match, and it almost came to fruition uh, <laughs> last year, but it didn't, is definitely Kurt Angle. Oh, <laughs> man. There were talks of doing it, and then he got hurt, and then there were talks of doing it again, and then he ended up re-signing with WWE, which I'm not against because, you know, it's it's WWE and it's Kurt Angle, and he definitely deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. But hopefully uh, somewhere down the line, if he's willing and able, I would definitely love to go one on one with Kurt Angle, and another one that recent, like in the more recent times, I guess, or more recent years, um, is uh, definitely Samoa Joe. So those mm. are the two guys that I would love to wrestle. If you don't mind us asking, what promotion was going to book you versus Angle? <laughs> just, just out of curiosity, wow. just out of curiosity, man. If you could, uh, there were there were two companies out here in California that were uh, inquiring, like they're messaging his uh, manager and whatnot. Um, so, and one of them was definitely, uh, like APW or all wrestling. Nice. So they were, they were inquiring and they were trying to make everything line up, but alas, it wasn't meant to be for now. So hopefully in the future, something could happen or could work out or whatnot. But yeah, it'd be, it'd be like, it would be so, I mean, I don't know if I can say it, but it would be so badass if I could wrestle that dude. Do you have anything to say to your Filipino fans and to your fellow Filipino wrestlers? Well, first to my uh, to the Philippine or to the fellow Filipino wrestlers, don't stop. Actually, I could steal a line from uh, uh, Mr. Arnie Pineda. Uh, <laughs> don't don't stop believing, because <laughs> like, like you know people say like 
like where I'm at shouldn't have happened to me because I'm from an island. I'm either I'm Filipino or I'm from here. I'm from here. I'm from here. You know, like don't take no for an answer. Don't stop believing. You know, it's like like if you want it, like you're gonna have you're gonna do whatever it takes to get it. And you know, I'm, it took me moving from Guam, going to college, and then moving to Hawaii, to moving to California to follow my dream. And you know, this is what I love to do. So you know. I, I'm going to do whatever I can to get to where I want to be. So, you know, most people are like, oh, we're just we're just wrestlers in the Philippines. It doesn't matter, you know. Like, you could always – someone could see you and want to take you on a tour in Japan or or Europe or wherever. So, you know, don't take no for an answer and don't stop believing. You know, if you, like, like I said, if you want to do it, you're going to do it. And, uh, yeah, to all my Filipino fans, thank you for your support. And um, I've been very lucky to – like for like for example like Europe like all the fans they kept making noises and kept tagging promoters and stuff so and eventually I ended up coming to Europe so I would say do the same thing in the Philippines if you want to see me in the Philippines uh, keep tagging the promoters they'll probably get angry <laughs> for a while but but you know you got to listen to the fans sometimes and yeah I would like I said I would love to come there for the first time to come to to come to I guess uh, you could say my uh, my homeland would be the Philippines, you know. I would love to come there and and perform for all the Filipino fans and at the same time uh, give back to my fellow Filipino wrestlers and and share my knowledge with them as much as I can. I mean, it it could be a week-long seminar slash camp too. I I would gladly spend a whole week there training and and teaching. Not a problem. I'm I'm pretty sure the local promoters have just taken note of that. And (laughs) yeah, Uh, let's hope we can make things happen. As a last question, oh, Jeff, um, now that we know that you're loud and proud a Filipino, are we going to start seeing you incorporate that into your into your attires, <laughs> into your characters or whatnot, kind of like what TJP does? Or is that something you aspire to do someday? You know what? It doesn't really fit my character, but whenever anybody asks, I always tell them, like, first and foremost, yeah, I'm Filipino. I don't think TJ Perkins' uh, gear wouldn't match on me. Like, he's just – like, his is, like, so – he has great gear, and me, I'm I'm in a singlet. So unless I can figure out a way to incorporate something like a Filipino flag into my singlet, I don't really know how that. Like I'm not really good at designing stuff, so that that's gonna have to be something where I have to talk with my designer about and figure out how to incorporate that in there. Because I don't want to look like a a TJ Perkins knockoff. <laughs> that's true. That's true. I want to be like my own individual self, regardless of what my what my singlet is or what my what my gear is like um i'll always reply and put over the philippines and my filipino background no matter what thank you so much jeff it really means a lot to us that you took time out that you woke up extra early just to have this conversation with us <laughs> thank so you thank jeff. you man oh my pleasure man my pleasure i know i know the time difference is weird because like it's a it's kind of the same thing where i call my mom <laughs> like i have to call her either early in the morning or late at night and it's it's kind of rough sometimes, but I, listen, it's it's for it's for my culture, it's for my heritage, it's for my for you guys in the Philippines. So like waking up a little bit earlier, like half an hour earlier, is not going to kill me, man. So my and, pleasure. Yeah, the pleasure and the honor is actually ours. Where can people find you on social media if they haven't found you yet? I'm trying to bring up my Twitter game because I'm, <laughs> I'm not. Yeah, so like. Man, I've, I've been so bad at Twitter, but I'm still trying to figure this out. But uh, Twitter is probably your um, probably the best bet right now, just 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 because I'm trying to get that up there. So it'll be uh, Mr. Athletic J Cobb, 
on Twitter, or I'm I'm sure if you search Jeff Cobb, I think mine will pop up. I have that nice blue uh, check mark, so that's pretty cool. Nice. Yeah, so Twitter Twitter is definitely the the number one thing I'm trying to push right now, or Instagram, but Instagram's just Jeff Cobb. <laughs> All right. Huge thanks once again to Mr. Athletic Jeff Cobb for joining us on this week's episode of the SGP Podcast. Easily uh, one of the more fun interviews we've had so far this year. This interview gives me a lot of hope. Guys, we may be able to see this man in our land, in our homeland, sooner or later after this interview. Eventually. I mean, it's a matter of fundraising and calls and schedules, but by God, if this can happen... Jeff, Jeff. No, no, we're we're not we're not making pleas to Jeff Cobb. We're making pleas to potential sponsors. Oh, that's what we need, and that's what we've needed since day one. Like I've been saying this since WWE and Fox's contract ran out. We need people to realize that there is money in wrestling, mm-hmm. so they can put their money in wrestling, so we can get what we want. That's it. It all boils down to the almighty peso. Just make this happen, guys. There is money here, you know. If Japan Airlines can put together a tie-up with NJPW, why can't PAL put together with the Philippine Wrestling Revolution, maybe? No, no, no. Hold on, hold on. Yes? I just got to say, we have to build our brand equity first. (laughs) Yes, okay, fine. Anyway, anyway. uh, Let's uh, end the podcast on a high note as usual by getting down to our picks of the week. So, uh, since I called dibs, uh, let me go first. Uh, My pick is the main event of this week's NXT. It's the number one contenders match. Uh, for the NXT title between Roderick Strong and Hideo Itami. The match actually went around 20 minutes on the episode. And uh, considering how this week's episode was mostly video packages and, and promo work, um, it, it, it was very much distilled to the, the NXT that we loved in, say, 2014, early 2015. Yeah. Like before TakeOver exploded. So Before the current format. Yeah, before the current format. I love the match. It was fun. It got a This Is Awesome chant as well. And I love the storytelling, how... Uh, Roddy just really worked Hideo's back and and, and his shoulder. Um, how they re- uh, the commentators really played up uh, Roddy's use of the backbreaker and how uh, Hideo eventually just uh, came back and and hit him with the go to sleep to, to punctuate that match. So if you're looking for something really fun, and I know the Raw and SmackDown this week just weren't as fun as we expected them to be, then uh, fast forward to NXT and watch the main event. While we're on NXT, my pick of the week is Alistair Black versus that Brazilian guy. Brazilian. Yeah. He's a Brazilian guy. He's yeah, a Brazilian his name's guy. like Cesar Nazzoni or something. Cesar Nazzoni, who is one of these hyped-up talents who's in the performance center. is it's, it's actually surprising that he did get some offense in, but the thing is, that finish, that finish of Alistair Black, that kick is a thing of beauty, and I will watch that over and over again, and... I mean, I'm starting to like this guy a lot more than I thought I would in WWE. His indie stuff is great, but I'm starting to get on the bo- on board more with his WWE run, even though it's mostly just kicks from him. I don't care. I love, I love watching his strikes. It is fun. It is fun. It's, it's the second coming of CM Punk, although I said that with Austin Aries. But no, no, but uh, Alistair Black says closer to CM Punk than anyone else we've seen. So I'm, 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 I love watching his work. He's goth CM Punk instead of punk CM Punk. I might just go watch his match again with Anna, with, with Cien. Anyway, my pick of the week is the tag team turmoil match from this week's Raw. Uh, I didn't expect Cesaro to go all the way. 
and I like the fact that Raw wasn't booking them lazily. Uh, obviously, they knew everyone knew that their feud against the Hardy Boys for the tag team championships were not finished yet. But I like that they took the extra step of having them establish their their their, their claim to the contendership, and you know, just basically making them earn it. And actually having them defeat everyone in the entire tag team division. I actually thought the Golden Truth would win. Just for kicks. Because they came in last and you know that's how tag team turmoils go. Yeah, and, and, and they kind of built them up with the storyline last week. So in a way, if, they, if Golden Truth won, it would have sort of made sense. And it, it's, it's one of those, it's so entertaining that, God, I wish it would happen type moments. No, not really. No, well, for me, it's like it's so absurd to see... The Golden Truth in that position that they could even win, and for them to come, well, not relatively close, but to get to that point was entertaining for me. Yeah, no, I like, I like, I enjoy watching the work of Goldust and Art Truth, so I didn't mind them, but uh, it made sense for them if they won because they were the last ones out, and you know, Seamus and Cesaro had been wrestling for like 20 minutes by then. So then I don't really mind them. Uh, obviously, they're jobbers, but. Uh, in that position, and given their work, it's not a bad thing necessarily. That's it. All right. So uh, that brings us to the end of this week's episode of the SGP Podcast. We hope you really enjoyed the conversation we had with Jeff Cobb. And if you haven't seen his work, and if you find yourself wanting to, then um, it, it's not hard to look for his matches online. Uh, you can actually tweet Camus at Caveman Camus. He has uh, a list of all of Jeff Cobb's upcoming matches, and he can probably point you in the direction of some really good ones. Or the easiest way, really, is to, is to, is to look up his stuff on Lucha Underground. Like, that's how I became a fan. That's how we all became fans. That's our first exposure to him. Everyone in the world was, uh, I guess, well, most people in the world were first exposed to Jeff via his work as Matanza. Right. Now, I'm, I'm pretty sure that there's some really, really snarky smart, snarkier than us, who would have said, I, I saw him before Lucha Underground. Pa. No, but I uh, know. For sure. For sure. Uh, no. um, for, I mean, the, the, the locals, the local promotions he's been in, for sure will have known him. You mga locals in some places there. For sure. Right, so uh, yeah, go watch his stuff as Matanza. It's it's always a lot of fun, and uh, don't forget to follow him on Twitter. It's at Mister Athletic Jacob, as he said. Uh, I just want to tell you, uh, since you're looking for uh, Jeff Cobb matches, there is actually a Jeff Cobb versus T.J. Perkins match. No way! Yes, I told you this before, and nobody's listening to me. Just go search Jeff Cobb versus T.J.P. on YouTube. It's the first result. All right, I, I you will, are welcome. That will be my homework for this weekend. 2015. That's not bad. Yes, pretty much. That's pretty much around the time we first saw him. Ah, It wasn't Deepasha on Lucha Underground at that time. Yeah, like Matanza came in second half of 2015. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Ah, actually, that's so. Oh, no. You would have been free. Yeah, yeah. Same, same. Man. All right, so, yeah. cool. So, there. Uh, th- those are our picks of the week and some match recommendations as well uh, that are very appropriate with this week's guest. Now, don't forget, you can always follow us on Twitter. It's at underscore Stan C for me, at Caveman Camus, at Rose War. For the podcast, it's at the SGB Podcast, and we'll be back with a brand new episode next week. And well, let's hope that there'll be more stuff to talk about by then. And remember, kids, sit down, be humble. Yes, and now uh, go find someone who's going to point you to a position. Glory.